Hi, this is comedian Christian Finnegan, and you are listening to PF's Tape Recorder. Hello there, I'm PF, this is my tape recorder. Coming up, comedian Gary Goldman. I rarely introduce myself as a, when people ask me what I do for a living, I rarely tell them I'm a stand-up comedian. It can be uh, just, a, just a real issue, and, and they consider it rude if you don't want to do your, your job for them <laughs> off stage in a coach seat on, on an airplane. We'll hear more from Gary in just a few minutes. There's a new app and website for travelers. The idea behind it isn't so bad, but the name is horrible. But first, as always, fake news. And now, fake news with me. Chaz Bono has met his weight loss goal. One year after weighing in at 250 pounds and being advised on the TV program The Doctors to lose between 50 and 80 pounds, Bono returned to the show on Wednesday, September 11th, to show off his amazing slim down. The 44-year-old son of Sharon, Sonny Bono, took the stage looking trim and toned, but most importantly, feeling good. The weight loss started when he lost a couple of pounds off of his chest. Pope Francis is enjoying being Pope, but he doesn't like the restrictions to his movement and having to be escorted everywhere. Last Saturday, he saw the perfect opportunity to regain a bit of his lost freedom and enjoy a joyride in the Vatican when he took possession of a 1984 Renault 4, which had just been given to him, and drove off happily in the Vatican as it were the most normal thing in the world, said witnesses. The car was given to the Pope by Reverend Renenzo Zocco, a 69-year-old Italian parish priest. The two plan to spend evenings and Saturdays in the Pope's garage, souping up the 30-year-old car. A Las Vegas family of six nearly doubled in size in less than five minutes after ushering in a set of quintuplets. Yvonne Derrico, 33, her two newborn boys and three baby girls were recovering Wednesday at the Banner Desert Medical Center in Mesa, Arizona. Most sports houses on the Strip lost money on the birth as many gamblers bet the over. Chicago on Wednesday reluctantly abolished its 45-year-old requirement that gun owners register their weapons with the city, making it a victory for advocates of gun rights, such as the National Rifle Association. The city council voted to end the gun registry in place since 1968 to comply with court rulings against Chicago and Illinois gun control laws, and to bring the city in line with a state concealed carry law. Yes, concealed weapons. That's the solution to Chicago's gun problem. Dina Eastwood filed for legal separation from her husband of more than 17 years, Oscar-winning actor Clint Eastwood. Monday in Monterey County Superior Court in California, ABC News confirmed this week. The petition for the civil case lists attorney C. Michael McClurris filing on behalf of Dina Eastwood. Clint took solace by arguing with a barstool in a nearby tavern. In his first major national television advertising blitz, Ohio-based Gorilla Glue Incorporated, which is just down the road from us, began airing commercials this week on HGTV, DIY, The History Channel, Animal Planet, Fox News, and more. Ad pros at Cincinnati-based Possible, a marketing services firm here in town, were tapped to create the advertising campaign, but had to be unstuck because the Gorilla Glue folks accidentally got some of the product on their fingers when tapping the folks over at Possible. Fox News is eliminating one of Shepard Smith's two daily newscasts and putting him in charge of a news team designed to quickly break into other Fox News shows when something big is happening. We don't have to wait until 7 o'clock anymore, said Smith, named the managing editor of the Breaking News Unit. When it's ready, we'll put it on the air. When it's breaking, I'm ready to go and to blame President Obama immediately. After years of complaints from foreign nations and its own citizens, the Chinese government says it plans to fight the smog that fills many of China's cities, where some days it is impossible to see more than a few blocks. The government said in a statement, quote, <coughs> We will <coughs> curtail the <coughs> burning of coal <coughs> in several areas, as well as <coughs> factories and manned vehicles that are specially bad polluters. 
And that's been Fake News with me. Have you heard about the Ghetto Tracker Kids? Oh, it's a good one. Uh, this story broke at the beginning of this past week, and uh, what what Ghetto Tracker is is it's a crowdsourcing website slash mobile app, and what it does is it evaluates uh, through user input the safety of certain areas of certain towns and other places across the country. And it launched last week under the name Ghetto Tracker, and the developers couldn't understand why people got so upset over the name. So the uh, head of the company that has developed it, uh, a man named uh, David Foster, decides to go and talk to our friend Ben Swan. And I, and I say friend because he used to be the uh, Fox affiliate anchor here in Cincinnati, where this podcast emanates from. And uh, he discussed a few things with Ben. He'd only talk with Ben first because the rest of the media is crazy for being upset over the name Ghetto Tracker. And the weird thing is, is that uh, when all of the criticism started rolling in about the name, he momentarily had a change of heart. I took it offline because we, we're a team of guys here. We're a small team, but I, I didn't want it to affect everybody. You know, I wanted to ask them how they felt about it. Okay, well, smart move. You get a little blowback and you step back and say, well, hey, wait a minute. Maybe this thing is named incorrectly. Maybe we should rethink this. And then we decided that... After looking at the feedback online and how positive it has been uh, versus how negative the media has been, we decided to go ahead and keep the name, and we put it back online now. Uh, okay, so quick review. You released something called Ghetto Tracker. People in the media said, hey, maybe this isn't the greatest name for this thing, but people who uh, have been using the app, people who see no problem with the name Ghetto Tracker, likely racists, think, hey, it's fine. Go ahead and keep the name. All right. It's still Ghetto Tracker. Yeah, yeah, I just can't understand why. Um, th th it gets weirder and weirder because uh, Mr. Swan points out that if uh, you go to the website, uh, you see a picture of a nice white family, uh, and the thing is called Ghetto Tracker, and Mr. Swan says to him, you know, it, 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 well, he doesn't say it, but he says he leaves out of the Huffington Post, who said that it looks like it's showing uh, rich people how to stay away from poor people, and I'm going to go a little further than that. It's telling white folks how to stay away from black folks. But wait... Mr. Foster has an answer for that. What they didn't realize is that image was random. So if you would go, you, the, like you could go there three times and get the same image, but the fourth time you could get a different image. And there was like five different images of different, uh, you know, people and families that, you know. Yeah, yeah, I know. What he's trying to say is, in as a cagey a manner as possible, is that there were pictures of other races on there and races and ethnicities. Uh, but what I tried this on Monday when the story first broke is I went to this site and I kept going. It, it appears in two different places, the picture. If you go to their about page, I believe it is, and if you go to their home page, I think it is, or the contact page. Uh, so I kept going back and forth, kept getting the white family, and then finally I got, uh, finally got a different image of another white family, this time assist an older white couple, looking at her with a lot of relief that they're not going to run into any black folks. But then, um, so I did this for another five, six, seven times, and then finally I got a, a picture of what looks to be a lovely Hispanic family that's trying to, to avoid I'm not sure what. But then on Tuesday when I went and did this, 
I, I, they must have fixed the glitch because I'm, I'll give them a pass on this one because, you know, code's a tricky thing. I work for a company that's got a website and hinky things happen all the time. So maybe it was, you know, favoring the one image over the other. Now it seems more even if you go to it, but I have a funny feeling uh, they tinkered with that when somebody pointed out that, hey, uh, the white folks are coming up a lot on this thing. All right, so there's that. And then Mr. Swan asks him this. You do not feel that the name is insensitive to people in any way? And I think you can guess what the answer is. I, I, I don't. I, and, I, and I think that it's, it's kind of like, you know, I think we're past that as, as people. I would like to think we are. Well, yes and no, because the word ghetto historically has meant, uh, well, he, he explained it here. He, he actually looks it up. I, I don't feel like there's an issue with, with that word. I mean, the, the, the actual definition of the word is just, uh, and I actually looked it up, and I'm going to pull it up here real quick. Okay. An impoverished, neglected, or otherwise disadvantaged residential area of a city, usually troubled by disproportionately large amount of crime. The problem is, if you've lived in the United States uh, since World War II, uh, particularly in the 70s and 80s and on into the 90s, you would understand that the term ghetto has been adopted by the uh, hip-hop community, shall we say, urban community, that is predominantly black, although there are you know white folks within it, you, your M&Ms, uh, your Keshas. Uh, there's a couple of comedians I know, Ralphie May and Eddie Gosling, huge, huge hip-hop fans. Those guys are from uh, Texas. Uh, the Ralphie May is not originally from Texas, but anyway, uh, there, there are white folks in the hip-hop community, but it is predominantly black, and when you say ghetto, you conjure a term of an impoverished area that is predominantly black, You and you have to know that. You can't be that stupid. I mean, this guy's bright enough to develop an app. He's bright enough to start a company and hire guys and get, the, get it out there. How, how can you not understand that? And then it gets even crazier because he, not only can you not understand what a horrible, horrible racist name this is, but then he can't understand why people are so upset about it and why people are even spending time on it. There are some real issues in this country, things that we need to be dealing with, things that we need to be having a real conversation about. Yes, like people who build racist apps and websites. I'm sorry, go on. And, and the fact that they put so much time and attention and money into going after a website that is completely optional to use. Yes, true. Optional to use, that's fine. Freedom of speech, that's fine. But don't call your freedom of speech, you know, non-racist when it is, okay? That's all I'm saying. And then if we back up for a minute here, you go to... Uh, the, the Ghetto Tracker blog, there's a meme of uh, the late Heath Ledger as the Joker, and the meme says, the U.S. is about to start World War III, nobody bats an eye, and then the line at the bottom says, someone starts a website called Ghetto Tracker, and everybody loses their mind. Well, first of all, I think a lot of eyes are being batted by Syria. That's number one. And number two, all this attention hasn't stopped uh, Mr. Foster from bogusly using all of the places that reported on Ghetto Tracker, like CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, ABC, and CBS, uh, to make it look like they're endorsing it, because as seen on on CNN, Fox News, and of course there's no links. You, you go to these uh, logos. You, they're not uh, hyperlinked, so you can't go and see what was actually said about them. And the last two, uh, BET Networks and Univision, I, I don't think said anything about it. So that's just a bunch of BS right there. And I, I did this by going to the BET Network website and Univision and uh, searching for Ghetto Tracker and seeing if any stories came back. So they may have talked about it on air and didn't talk about it on their website. That's perfectly possible. But it looks awfully, awfully suspicious to me. Oh, and the crazy thing, getting back to the images, is uh, one of the images is uh, a black family, and and it looks like they're actually reading a Bible because you can kind of tell it's a thick book, and the and the you know how the, how the Bible usually has that that thick but um, 
wavy cover to it most bible editions do so it looks like it just looks weird it's almost as if you see the word ghetto tracker and it's saying here's how to avoid these folks nice as they look here's a way you can stay away from them okay well what what's happened here and another fun development is if you go to the site it defaults to your area i guess by your ip address so uh, here in my area of Cincinnati, what some people have done hilariously is they have gone and uh, if you look, click over uh, my uh, suburb, it comes up and says uh, rated safe. Okay, that's fine. But if you go across the river to Kentucky, northern Kentucky, which is where uh, our suburbs spill over the river into northern Kentucky, and you go to an area called Fort Thomas, Fort Thomas, a very affluent uh, community, uh, a lot of post-World War II houses, but I mean immaculate, spotless, beautifully maintained and uh, it is, it's very very high median income, and uh, you get ooh, below average safety. So I think people are up to, to no good there. And then also if you go over to Villa Hills, which is just down the river, also in Kentucky, uh, they, someone has rated the Villa Madonna Academy, and it says unsafe. And uh, the median income in Villa Hills, $70,000. So uh, I would even question the results. So I guess people are kind of monkeying with it as a, as a way to, I don't know, get back at the ghetto tracker folks, which, uh, which I find, of course, hilarious. Oh, hold on just a second. I got to grab this. Hello? APF, it's David Foster from Ghetto Tracker. Oh, hey, we were just discussing your website there. Everybody is. CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, ABC, NBC, BET, Univision. They're all talking about it. It's all over the news. Everybody's talking about me. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I get that. But actually, I don't think it's getting that much coverage beyond what it got, you know, in the first day of its release. Well, of course, they shouldn't be talking about it at all, PF. Ghetto Tracker, that is. Because there are bigger problems in the world. Well, yes, but if you launch a website and an app called Ghetto Tracker, you're going to get some attention. I mean, you just are. Well, you should have heard what we wanted to call it. It wasn't Ghetto Tracker, I assure you. Well, I'm afraid to ask. Well, no one listens to your podcast anyway, so what the heck? We were going to call it Tracker. Wait, whoa, whoa, wait, what are you nuts? You can't say that. Chris Rock says it all the time. Yeah, well, first of all, I'm not even sure he should be saying that. And secondly, you just can't. I thought we were past this, PF. You and the media are trying to create a race war. Well, now you're just being silly. There's no race war. We have much less racism in the United States than we did at the founding of the Republic, that's for sure. And we've made great strides in the past 50 years. But there's still a long way to go. And you're not helping with something called Ghetto Tracker, man. Well, we have other apps in development, PF. Yeah, I, I don't think I want to hear... Let's say you need a quality medical care or legal help. Yes. Then you need Jew Tracker, because, you know, most of those people are, you know, doctors and lawyers. I guess it could help you find accountants, too, because they're supposed to be good with money, right? Oh, for God's sake. Or let's say you need some landscaping done. Please don't. Download MexiTracker, also good for finding authentic Mexican cuisine and helping with projects around the house when you go to the Home Depot parking lot. How are you not getting this? Oh, and there, there's one you'll appreciate. It's called Frogger. Frogger? Yes, it's for avoiding French people, because, you know, they smell like cheese or rude to Americans, and the women all have hairy armpits. You see, none of that is accurate, and there aren't that many French folks in the United States anyway. Exactly! And this app and website helps you to avoid them. Well, as someone who is half French, I find that a little offensive, quite frankly. Well, then don't use the app, PF. But that's not the point. There's bigger issues, PF. Just give it up. And you're French, so you know how to do that. <laughs> I must be off. Attention all geeks and nerds Tell me, have you heard 
of the best podcast hands down surfing aliens is the best around surfing aliens is about web series surfing aliens is sure to please they have creators to interview to find out something new about your favorite indie series a new creator each week a podcast for every geek you might fall in love with the podcast of high quality indie series surfing aliens surfing aliens surfing aliens oh surfing aliens the creators of web series and why they tell their stories the surfing aliens podcast for the podcast and so much more Come visit us at surfingaliens.com. Harry Goldman is a stand-up comedian who first gained national attention on the NBC program Last Comic Standing. He currently headlines clubs and theaters across the country, though not often enough in the Midwest, as we will discuss in our interview with Gary Goldman. Okay, joining us on PF Tape Recorder, it's Gary Goldman. Gary, how you doing? I'm great, man. Thank you. Th- this is huge. Um, I spoke to you once before for City Pages, but um, haven't had a chance to talk to you since, and this will, of course, will be your first time on the podcast. Um, I think part of the problem is, is I'm not getting my uh, enough dosage of Gary Goldman. It seems you're always in New York, but you're never in the markets I write for, which would be Minneapolis, Cincinnati, uh, I think you may have been to Salt Lake City once, but um, do you spend a lot of time yeah. in New York? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I live here, but I also do uh, shows here, like hundreds of shows a year and like probably 15 a week. So, um, yeah, I, I do a lot of shows here, and uh, I've been to Minnesota a few times, but not Cincinnati and Utah once. Okay, and... Uh, yeah, I noticed on your Facebook page and, and Twitter stuff, so whenever you're doing a show, it does seem to be uh, in New York or somewhere on on the East Coast, uh, close to New York. Um, is it you just don't like traveling, or you just got enough work in New York and it's you know easier to get stuff done there? Or how, how does that work? Um, I just don't think enough people know me outside of the East Coast that there's much of a demand for me. But I'm I'm trying to uh, get more famous, so. Yeah, we need. Hopefully, that'll change. <laughs> we need. We do need to change that because uh, you're hysterically funny. Your your latest special is now Netflixable. I saw the other day. Is that correct? Yeah, which is very which is very exciting because I'm a, I'm a big I'm a big proponent of of Netflix. I use it uh, almost every day, and it's it's interesting to see my my stuff available there instantly. Which is, I guess, my last special was was on the disc, but. Like like most people, I don't I don't really like to deal with the discs. It's it's, it's sad, but the the whole uh, going to the mailbox and opening it up and, and yeah. putting it in the DVD has become uh, too much for us. <laughs> yes, it's a lot of work. We can't be yeah. bothered. Yeah, are you kind of 
are you kind of in that cycle where and a lot of guys say, oh, well, I'm you know working on my next hour, and a lot of guys like to you know and gals too, of course, uh, you know, we'll do an hour discard it completely or discard most of it and start building the next hour is that the kind of thing you do or you just kind of like you know keep what's funny and maybe bring some stuff back sometimes or how does that work um i try not to do anything from that from that last hour unless i'm uh trying to work on something new so i'll I'll use some of the old stuff to sort of uh cushion the, the new stuff but for the most part, I, I I really don't do any of the any of the jokes from that from that special unless there's somebody from the audience who uh, requests it or or something. So yeah, that seems to be the the method now is to discard your material after you do a, a special. But I I occasionally will will bring it back to protect the new stuff to, or to make sure that it's uh, it's the right crowd to try new stuff. So that's um, cool. But yeah, I'm I'm pretty close to to doing a new a new hour special probably in in the spring. Oh, so, awesome! Yeah. So, do you take requests? Do I understand that correctly? Can people just can I can I shout out the bit about the fig newtons and you'll? <laughs> uh, yeah. Sometimes at the end of the at the end of the show when I've uh, when I've finished and I have a little extra time, I'll I'll ask if anybody has any any requests. And and sometimes it's humiliating because nobody would even know. What jokes that I didn't do, so, but uh, a, a lot of the times the people will request uh, either either the joke about grapefruit or the joke about cookies, or the the joke from my my special about the disc man. So there are, there are a few favorites that I I I don't really do in live anymore, but I, I will do by by request. Yeah, I know your buddy John Heffern. I saw him once, and he kind of left it more wide open. He just asked people, like, well, what do you want to talk about? He's like, he was, he, as if he was out of stuff to talk about, which, of course, he wasn't, but he's, you know, I guess he was having a, a good well, time with the crowd, and, yeah, he was just able to, to talk. That. In, fa- in fact, he told a story about you, <laughs> as a matter of fact. Oh, really? It was right after, yeah, it was right after Last Comic Standing, and uh, uh, apparently someone asked about um, you and some kind of ugliness with uh, Jay Moore, and, oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, he explained it and brushed it off and said, "Ah, it's no big deal. It's you know, it's a, it was a, a lot of nothing." And, and Tammy Pescatelli yeah. later confirmed that with me as well. That it was just a, you know, uh, a, a big to do about nothing. But you know, as it was, it was just funny though to get that kind of instant you know feedback uh, in a funny yeah. manner. And he did a funny impression of Tammy dragging you away from Jay, going, "Come on, Gary." So that was kind of the well, uh, the, the punchline yeah, of the bit. Funny because um, yeah, the actual incident wasn't nearly as as exciting as the the uh, lore and mythology. Of yeah, it. yeah, so, clearly. Yeah, it's it's interesting how you can't really take many many stories for uh, for the truth anymore. Yeah. Um, so I know you're uh, friends with uh, still friendly with uh, Todd Glass and kind of that arm of the Los Angeles comedy galaxy. Do you make it out there uh, to see those folks, like Jimmy Dore and, and all them, uh, very often? Yeah, I mean, probably probably every every three to six months. Last year I was there more frequently because I was, I was promoting an, uh, an album and then, and then a special. But, yeah, I love, I love going out there. I, I don't always do a lot of stand-up. I, I mostly do uh, everybody's podcast out there. <laughs> there you go. So, yes. Yeah, so I, I, I just, um, but I also used to live there for six years, so I have a lot of friends in oh, okay. favorite restaurants that, that that I I like to revisit. So yeah, I haven't been there probably since um, 
June, I think so. I'm going to have to go back. I remember when Jimmy was still doing comedy and everything else, which I think is on hiatus right now uh, because of his other podcast doing so well, the one he, that duels is the radio show out there, uh, you used to come on and bring little skits to do. And uh, I always really yeah. enjoyed those. Did did you? Uh, was it fun to kind of exercise that muscle a little bit? Did you really prepare for that a lot, or did you kind of just bring in some notes and say, "I'll just goof off with Jimmy and and his wife, and we'll uh, you know just kind of you know see what happens." Oh no, I, I definitely uh, I definitely prepared the stuff and and worked on it, and it was yeah, it was it was it was not very very uh, intricate, but I I did I did prepare and I wrote a couple of plays and and then. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Did some did some sketches, mostly stuff that I could do by myself. Yeah. So yeah, I always prepared for that. But I, I yeah, I love that show. I don't know. The past couple of times I've been there, I haven't, I haven't had time to to go see him. But I, I uh, it reminds me of uh, who I need to call. Yeah, I have to uh, try to dig up the links for that, and we'll post them on our page so people can can link back to those. Do you, um, so do you have any other outlets currently apart from stand up that kind of like let you exercise your comedic muscle that uh, we might know about? I I did a movie um, in in March that is going to premiere at the the Toronto Film Festival, which I think is this fall. Yes, and I it was with uh, Tony Collette and Thomas Hayden Church, and I had like a few scenes with with Tony Collette, and and so that was really fun because we. We shot the part that was scripted, and then they let me improv with her for a while. So oh, that, was neat. A, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, and she's she's really as good as it gets as far as actresses. Oh yeah, so I I just was uh, yeah I was very very excited about that, and I I guess if I had if I had um, thought about how incredible she is, I, I probably would have would have froze. So I was <laughs> able to. Um, put that aside for a few, for a few minutes because she, she just uh, uh, I was blown away by her. It was really fun. Well, cool. And I forget your backstory exactly. Do you have any kind of background in improv and sketch and things like that, or did you go straight into stand up comedy? Uh, I went straight into to stand up comedy. I mean, I, I I took a lot of the the classes in, in acting and and improv when I when I lived in L A. And um, and even when I started off in, in Boston, I used to do a lot of acting stuff. So um, I, I'm trained. I, I I'm inexperienced, but but I I'm okay. You can muster it up when you have to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what you were uh, at Boston U. Is that when you started doing stand up? Uh, I actually went to Boston College. Boston College. That's uh, right. right. That's, that used Boston to be all over your your uh, your um, old web pages. Were you in with the helmets around and stuff like that? I don't know why. Yeah. Got confused. Yeah, I um, I didn't do stand-up comedy in in college. I was a huge fan of stand-up comedy, and I used to watch it whenever I got a chance. and And I actually started going to see comedians uh, at, at local Boston comedy clubs when I was in high school. But I never, I never really had the the uh, the nerve to get on stage before I, I graduated from college. I, I think I. I, I'm sort of a, a one thing at a time person. So when I was working on my college degree, I I concentrated on that. And oh, okay. When I decided that I didn't really really want to utilize my my degree after all, I, I um, at the same time as I was working as an accountant, I was doing open mics, hundreds of open mics um, at night. So your your degree is in accountancy. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I worked for a few years in that uh, after college. So it's like that Monty Python bit where they say, wouldn't you, you could work your way towards line taming, maybe through accountancy or through banking? <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. I did I did make it all the way to line taming, finally. <laughs> so were you uh, one of the, the funny guy around the office and people kind of encouraged you that way or did you just have that, that impetus on your own to uh, now i got to get on a stage and to, to, you know, start talking about these funny thoughts in my head? Uh, I, I will say I was the I was the funny guy in the office, which really isn't saying much as, with with accountants. Yeah, I was, uh, <laughs> not a very high bar. <laughs> I, yeah, I really irritated everybody there. So, um, you know, a few people got it and were were um, found me entertaining, but a, a lot of people just found me uh, distracting and, and annoying, <laughs> and I didn't really I didn't really fit in there at, at all, which is sort of par for the course for me. A lot of the times, I'm I'm in a group of people that are has a very different sense of humor than me. Like, oh uh, yeah, I, I just, uh, yeah. Usually, the 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 audience has a similar sense of humor, but but there are nights when they when they don't, and it's uh, and it's it's a long night. But, well, get my yeah, problem. The, the account, uh, yeah. My problem is I, I do open mics occasionally, and like the other comics, um, I will laugh at jokes that no one else in the crowd will laugh at. And vice versa, a lot of people laugh and clap at something. I go, yeah, that's that's okay. And then another time, or they'll post things on Facebook, just kind of test jokes as comics will do. And uh, this one yeah. gal posted one one time and said, "That's gold. You got to do that." She writes back the next day, "It bombed." I'm like, then she posted one uh, uh, last week, and I said, "Okay, I like this, so that tells you to never take it on stage." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It is uh, a constant source of, of frustration. Just the. The uh, inability to really um, make stuff that you think is so great work on on stage. It's it's. Um, I mean, I guess it makes it challenging, but at the same time, it can be it can be discouraging. But yeah, that's that's part of it. it you gotta throw a lot out there. Yeah. The other uh, thing, speak. When you were talking about being at the uh, being the accountant, uh, I uh, I was heard some gals talking about a comic that I knew, and they were saying, "Oh yeah, we we know him. He used to always bother us at work with trying out jokes." So mental note to myself: don't try out jokes at work. But then as soon as people find out you're going to do an open mic, they're like, "Oh really? Well, what are you, what are you going to say? Tell us a joke." And then, it <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they put you on the spot. Yeah, and yeah. They, they, yeah, it, it makes me very, very aggravated by that that whole thing. And and you know, at parties, I I, I mean, just even with strangers, I rarely introduce myself as a. When people ask me what I do for a living, I really tell them I'm a stand-up comedian yeah. because it can be uh, just a just a real issue, and and they consider it rude if you don't want to do your your job for them <laughs> off stage yeah. in, a, in a you know in a, in, a, in, a, in a coach seat on on an airplane. Yeah, so, yeah. Crazy. It's it's humiliating, yeah. So, uh, big sports fan still, as I recall, you from your old website. There was that picture of you laid out with all the uh, Boston College yeah. gear and stuff like that. What do you follow mostly? Is it college sports? Is it your alma mater? Is it the Patriots, the Red Sox? What? Uh, what well, what's keeping I, you occupied? I, um, baseball for me has become one of those uh, things that I do while I'm doing ten other things. Uh, I don't. I don't know when my concentration level got so low that I can't <laughs> watch nine innings of of baseball without doing something else. Like oh yeah, you know, answering answering emails mm-hmm. or or uh, doing my taxes or whatever. It's just 
I, I used to watch the Red Sox every afternoon when I lived in in Los Angeles because the the time oh, yeah. delay. Yeah. And then and then the past couple of years, I just uh, I I rarely watch a game from from beginning to end without um, having DVR'd it and fast forwarding through yeah lulls and and things. So I mean, I do watch some baseball, but but my my main uh, sport I would say is is uh, the the NBA college basketball and then uh the nfl and, and, and college football so um i watched the the broncos and the, and the ravens last night and uh that was great and i, I watched you know sports center every every morning and and i get a lot of a lot of highlights but i don't i don't listen to sports radio as much as i i used to because um they overreact to every single game. <laughs> yes. and just make it seem like it's the, the entire season. So it just it, it's uh, it's so disingenuous and and it, it drives me crazy. Yeah, if, if I have to sit down to watch a whole game, I usually feel guilty that I'm you know wasting time doing this. I should be you know cleaning or answering emails or or writing or taking notes and to write something later on or. Uh, or as, oh, and, if, and if they lose, I then I'm really upset. I'm like, now I've wasted all this time, and they lost, which is just uh, incredibly frustrating. Yeah, I, I feel bad about that, that, that I think that I've wasted time if they lose. Like, there, it's, it's hard to really say, well, you're a, you're a fan, and, and uh, give yourself credit for that. It's, it's just, it just seems kind of um, sad. That that my my mood is 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 dependent on on whether these guys who who really have have not done much for my career yeah that <laughs> uh, they lose and and my day is is ruined and, and they don't really care if I bomb or if I if I get a gig canceled so I I I really have to to get some perspective on this yes yes definitely now uh, do you have any interest in uh, like politics and current events I know you were able to talk with those uh, with Jimmy on his uh, podcast but um, I know on stage you don't really talk much about those things but in your everyday life uh, do you follow that kind of uh, thing yeah I mean I watch I watch uh, the only show I watch on a daily basis is the daily show so okay um and and then uh, i listen to a lot of npr and stuff so i i and i read the new york times every morning and and new yorker magazine so i, I keep abreast of all these things and, I, and i'm really interested in it and i love to talk about it but it is uh it is difficult for me to to uh bring it on the stage um at the at the, the, the clubs that i i work it's it just uh it takes some real skill to put um, topical stuff and current events into into an act because it, it, it requires so, so much uh, extra research and, and writing. And then when you get the thing to work, suddenly the the topic is is a little too old. So it's yeah, you know, I can do some broad things such as the bankruptcy of, of Greece or. You know some historical type things, or or people's take on the on the president. But as far as doing things, on you know, I can't imagine being able to write a, a decent joke about uh, the use of chemical weapons in in Syria and and the government's response. Well, yeah, it's yeah. Just, uh, that 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 is for a person with more skill than me. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite jokes of yours, uh, actually, I, I think it was just an off-the-cuff thing you had said, or maybe not, maybe it was one you had written on Jimmy's podcast. You guys were talking about NPR, and I, it's not the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, it's that other foundation that sponsors a lot of things where they want a, a more just, verdant, and peaceful world, and your punchline is, now go look that up. 
<laughs> because I had to do that. I still didn't know what verdant meant. Why the hell would they say verdant? We're not able to stand PR, but how smart do they think we are? I went to Bowling Green, for God's sake. I know what verdant means. Yeah, I think it's... The, I, 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 I must have uh, made it up because I don't even remember saying that, but it is the uh, John D. and Catherine... The MacArthur, MacArthur Foundation. Foundation. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're responsible for the, the MacArthur Genius Grants and and they yeah they want a more just and verdant society and, and uh, verdant I looked up as means like green and and lush or something yeah like yeah that. I I looked it up too after almost, you said that I was like well I, yeah. I probably should look that up actually so yeah it's almost uh, me- metaphorical that they use in their, their tagline <laughs> it's a very unique tagline for for a, uh, a nonprofit organization yeah but uh, wow you you really uh, you're paying attention I, I really appreciate that yes again I've been a big fan since last comic which is actually uh, where we discovered you which is why I'm, I'm always you know uh, saddened that you don't make it to Cincinnati uh, um, yeah have you ever been here actually I don't even I I seem to recall I think you. I did a, a theater there with with like Alonzo Bowden and yeah uh, Corey Kahaney years okay. ago but I've uh, I've gotten offers from the, the club there is Go Bananas. Yes. Yeah, but but they uh, they are never much more than sort of a break even proposition. Oh, I, I see. Yeah, it, it is kind of a mom and pop thing. So they, yeah, they they just um, they're not. Uh, um, yeah, it's just it's it's difficult for me to to give up a a weekend to. Essentially, uh, break even. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Understandable. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time today. Of course, the print version of this will be in City Pages, uh, in print and online, uh, the week you're there at uh, Rick Bronson's House of Comedy in Minneapolis. Yeah. And uh, and of course, the podcast will drop uh, a week from Sunday, which will probably coordinate with your appearance in Minneapolis. So. And, uh, awesome. I, I just wanted to tell you I had a, a, a nice time, and I, I really appreciate oh, great. you. Oh, uh, great taking the interest in me. All right, man. Super. Well, again, hopefully we'll see you down in Cincinnati sometime soon, and uh, we'll be the first ones in line. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Gary. Right, brother. Have a great weekend. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Gary Goldman for being on the show. You can catch Gary in Minneapolis September 18th through the 22nd at the House of Comedy in the Mall of America. He is in Edmonton, Canada, September 26th through the 29th at the comic strip there in Edmonton. And when he's in New York City, which is most of the time, you can find him at the Comedy Cellar nightly. For more information on Gary Gullman, go to GaryGullman.com. Okay, we are up against the clock, so if you need any other information, all the appropriate links for today's show, just go to pfradio.podbean.com. Other than that, so long, and thanks for listening.